Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty the Prez Logan. I've got my co-host, Ricky Et Dog VP Etridge. Welcome to the show and welcome Et Dog. Oh, there we go. Getting into it, mate. I'll tell you what, mate. After you show me them boys on uh, Friday, I've been you know, giving a bit of a listen to something that you may not know. A lot of people don't know, mate. I do have a bit of a... Uh, a slight you know, like of that type of music, the pop punk thing. Uh, uh, your Mayday parades and that type of music. I don't mind you know, putting them through the you know, the iPod every so often. Not not my friend, no. Doesn't compare to my gangster rap in my country, but hey, still good, pretty good. And you know, Catholic guilt might get around them. I say. Yeah, it's um, it's concerning that you put gangster rap and country in the same <laughs> sentence. Um, but yeah, get around the Catholic guilt, mate. They're not bad. They catch each. Some catchy songs, that's for sure. And, you, you and they've got an album, say, boys. Yeah, you sit there and say, uh, we put country and gangster rap in the same category, same sentence. I fucking love it when I come across like a country song that's got a gangster rap person. I, I just love it. It's so good. But, you know, get around the uh, Catholic guilt. You know, you said local boys to Melbourne. So you've got to support, as you said on Friday, mate, you've got to support the local local people during these times. Yeah, that's it, mate. It's... Uh... You know, everyone's going through tough times and, you know, just like we want to support any local businesses that are staying open, your cafes and stuff, if your local cafes are doing takeaway and whatnot, make sure you're getting down there and supporting those. But also, you know, you've got to think of the, the bands and the music and the performers that can't get out there and do their shows that they love to do. So, Speaking of local businesses, mate, uh, just a bit of a recap, Waverley Park Physiotherapy Centre still open for business. New Life Psychology still doing telehealth appointments. Uh, the Bottle Mart at Ouzon Plaza is open for business. And even better, mate, you can stay, stick by restrictions, stay locked down, and they'll deliver the beer to you. Um, you obviously starting from scratch, still running. Um, Sandown Park Hotel, The Garden, Morgrave Country Club, not 100% sure. Unfortunately, Stat Fitness is at the you know, close down again due to lockdown. And obviously, McCormick Constructions and ID Signs are still running as well. So support your local businesses. That's it, mate. And we love all our local businesses and supporters, uh, sponsors, and we, uh, yeah, make sure everyone gets around them all. Uh, and just, but, on, just on one thing before we get going, mate, I haven't told you this, but uh, at some point this week, I'm actually going to re-upload or just re-share our uh, episode, I think, eight, I think it was, with Todd Morgan from outside the locker room. I just sort of feel at this point in time, it could be something, you know, just to rehash and just remind people to look after each other and what you know how they can help each other through this lockdown period 
Yeah, sounds good, mate. Um, but, right, we're heading back over to Europe, and so where we're heading now? Right, we're off to Poland. <clears throat> that That's correct. Poland. They play bloody footy in Poland. It's, yep. uh, it's bloody incredible, mate. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's uh, not only are we chatting to the man who plays footy in Poland, but he started the bloody league here only recently. It's only been a couple of years, but he's living his boyhood dreams of starting his own bloody football league. Yeah, starting his own league, running bloody, you know, the, was it the CEO of AFL Poland and the coach of the Poland Devils. And, yeah, mate, I'll tell you what, though, it might be long until there's some cobras running around in Poland, though. Yeah, mate. Uh, hopefully, they'll be in the mail. We're sending jumpers over, so hopefully we might see some Warsaw Cobras over there running around. I'll tell you what, half of them will probably kick better than our bikes. <laughs> well, they're definitely going to have a higher efficiency than Jorge, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's damn sure, mate. But yeah, that was actually a really good chat with uh, Phil. It's, you know, he's actually he, he's a local Melbourne boy, a, a South Croydon junior that, again, like most blokes that we've come across from Australia, they've chased a bit of tail halfway around the world and just end up loving the country so much but missing their footy that they go, you know what? I'm starting a footy team. That's what happened. Yep. Start his own team, start his own comp and still working hard on it and, you know, every little bit helps. So yeah. hopefully the jumpers we send over help them out as yeah. well. And just, a, but uh, it's a good chat with Phil. Um, a lot of, a lot of insight into how to start a league up and how to get a club started in Europe and, uh, done a fair bit of uh, for charity as well with you know, getting rid of something that he he obviously treasured dearly, and I'll tell you what I reckon Phil will be right into uh, a Catholic guilt. Yeah, mate. Uh, hopefully he enjoys. And uh, I think he'll uh, be right up his alley from the looks of him. I said to my mate Brenton, who is the singer, I said, uh, hopefully they'll gain some more fans around the world if we uh, share them along. So if you're inclined to do so, go check him out. And, we'll share and, as, and as I said to you, Friday Night Rifter, you're a bigger man than me. If anybody wants exposure around the world, I will sell my soul for a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe right. a hoodie. Might go the hoodie, hoodie being, being yeah, winter. <laughs> yeah, it's too cold for T-shirts anyway. Yeah. If anybody wants you know, to represent a face mask for me as well, I'll, I'll wear that as well. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get into it. AFL Poland, enjoy this one, and we'll catch you on the next one. Uh, today we're joined by the president of AFL Poland, Phil Forbes. Uh, how are you going, mate? Not bad, boys. Not bad. Yourselves? Uh, very well. Very well. Thanks for joining Good, thank us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, so my first question is, how the bloody hell do you end up in Poland in the first place? <laughs> running the Aussie Rules League. Uh, well, yeah, uh, it's a hell of a story, but like most Aussie male expats here it's probably the same story a girl um not the same girl but <laughs> my uh my ex-girlfriend's polish um i moved here in march 2016 um we broke up i stayed we broke up yeah about two years ago i stayed because i love it here i got much more opportunity here in poland than i do back in melbourne and i got afl poland which is my creature my little baby and yeah here making that grow, working, um, enjoying living in Central Europe. Yeah. Very nice. It's uh, nice that you've made the, the best of the, the bad situation, you know. The chick takes you there and you end up breaking up, but you've 
made the best of it and now you're running your own league. That's uh Yeah, yeah. When you're I'm, when you're a little kid back in Australia, probably one day I'll be the head of an AFL league. People <laughs> <laughs> probably I mean, laughed at you. But Yeah, well I'm I wouldn't say I have to pinch myself, but there are times where I'm in like uh, meetings with, you know, the head of AFL Germany and France and AFL Europe. And, you know, I'm just some bloke from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne that's, you know, decided to have a kick with his mates in a park here in Warsaw. And next minute, I'm representing the entire sport in the entire country. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's again, it's, it's an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity that I had, uh, and I wanted to grab it with with I wanted to grab it with both with both hands and run with it. Um, it yeah, the the culture here is completely different, um, which I'm sure something will go into. But um, it's just it's a hell of a buzz being responsible for the game that I love that I've been brought up with, and helping that game grow here in a country where being Australian is exotic, let alone this weird sport that we play. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, being the exotic one for once. And <laughs> you're in Australia, we're, we're surrounded by different people from different cultures all the time. So it's, uh, it's not unusual to have uh, people from all different walks of life. But um, how long has footy been played over there in Poland? So uh, when I, I, I knew that I was moving here probably 18 months before I moved here. So yeah, early or mid 2015, I started looking at AFL in Poland and there, there was a bloke, an Aussie, a dual citizen uh, living in a small Polish town called, well, not a small Polish town, a Polish city called Bydgoszcz, similar size to Geelong, I would say. Um, and he started trying to get Aussie rules started there in, in this small, in this city. But the problem was that city is a bit, um, it's not, it's a small, it's a city and there's not a lot of foreigners. There's not a lot of foreign culture. So this bloke who spoke fluent Polish, he just struggled to get guys down to training and to get them to do something. Um, so then when I moved here, I got in contact with him and me being in Warsaw, the capital city. Um, it's very homogenous. It's very multicultural. It's, there's a lot of people from all over the world here. Um, and that kind of helps because the Poles that live here are used to, you know, being around Brits, Brits, Germans, Americans, people from all over the world. So yeah. Yeah. Um, when I moved here, there wasn't a whole lot. There was this bloke in this other city who was struggling to get off the ground. And then just as I moved here, he kind of gave up and went back to Australia. And I took the torch from him. And yeah, because of the uh, diversity here in Poland, uh, or here in Warsaw, sorry, kind of got started and it went from strength to strength with through me, my effort and the help of a few other expat mates I've got here. So, yeah. So how did you start AFL Poland? Well, this, this bloke in uh, Gareth in Bidgosh, he had a Facebook page and it was uh, AFL Polska. Um, and he was just going to training and trying to get his, his mates down. But like I said, his mates weren't too interested. Um, so then he went back to Australia, as I said, and I, got, I took over the page. Um, and then I basically just put on the Facebook page uh, that had about 500 likes at the time. 
saying, hey, I'm going to go for a kick in this park. Um, anyone that wants to come along is interested. And it was our first training per se was three Aussies, an American, and one Polish guy. And all we did was play kick to kick in a dog park. And, you know, grandma would yell at us for kicking a ball in a dog park because her dog would chase the balls. Um, one of our one of our guys did his hammy just literally playing kick to kick, fell flat on his ass and hyperextended <laughs> his leg. Um, so that wasn't a good start. But we 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 relied a lot on social media. Um, you know, so it was just five blokes having a kick. We took a couple of photos, put it on social media. Um, and that was enough proof that people were interested. Um, so that those pictures just basically said, hey there's something happening. And then, you know, every two weeks we would do the same, create an event on Facebook and pump it out to people. Um, we had one rule that if you came along to training, the next time you come, try and bring a friend. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. Um, I, I work in marketing, digital marketing. So I've got the internet marketing side of things down pat. Um, Jeff, who is our American guy, um, he played for New York Magpies. So he helped AFL in, in New York. So he's Kate bought what he knows and brought it here to Poland. Um, so he helps a lot with like organizing events. And then another Aussie mate, Roger, he started AFL in Moscow. So he created AFL in Russia and took Russia to their first ever European championship back in 2012, I think. So he's great at teaching people who don't know how to do, how to play the game. So that was basically how it took off. Um, and I think what was really, so we, we did in, we did in about 10 months, we did in 10 months what it took other parts of other European teams like Austria um, and Switzerland, what it took them two, three years to do. Um, and the reason it happened so quickly here was because we, we empowered the, our Polish players. Um, so this, we re, from the very get-go, we wanted to make sure that our Polish players felt that they were representing Poland. Like this wasn't just going to be a couple of blokes having a kick in the park. We wanted to make sure that they were going to put on a kit and for the uh, for the first time ever, they would represent their country in the sport of Australian football. And they did that at the Euro Cup in uh, Nortiale in, in Sweden last year. That um, was a hell of a buzz. That was a hell of a buzz. And so now we've got our core group of probably a dozen Polish players, all based here in Warsaw. And they're, they're loving it. They're loving it. Um, they know that this game is only going to grow if they commit to playing and improving. And they know that they're responsible for getting more players and helping the game grow elsewhere in Poland, outside of Warsaw. So um, a lot of work, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, back in Australia, I was a bloody welder. Um, <laughs> and now I work in digital marketing and I'm a CEO or president or whatever you want to call it of AFL Polska. But the re yeah, the reason it came along so quickly was because I um, we had a core group of guys, both Poles and Aussies and Americans, uh, who were willing to do the role that they were nominated to do. We we delegated jobs, so 
I'd take care of marketing. One guy took care of events. One guy took care of training. Um, and that meant that it wasn't just, you know, one poor sod who was responsible for everything. So, yeah, yeah, that's basically how we got the ball rolling. That's um, bloody impressive, that's for sure. It's, happened, it's come on thick and fast, and I won't lie that this whole corona thing and not being able to socialise and train has probably come at the worst possible time. Um, just as we were about to start training in summer for, you know, going to the European, uh, going to the Euro Cup for the second year in a row, and then all of a sudden we can't train. Um, you know, we want to start a team. We want to start multiple teams outside of Warsaw. Can't do that. Uh, we want to play friendlies in Poland and elsewhere in Europe with other other countries. Can't do that. So it's just been a real kick in the guts, um, especially because our guys are so so hungry to learn the game, improve, get better, get better, and yeah, have that sense of ownership of the of the sport, of the entire sport in their in their home country. Yeah, I can imagine it'd be difficult. We spoke to a lot of um, just clubs, not even leagues, but clubs, and they're uh, younger, so they're only two, three years old, and they're saying exactly the same thing. COVID's hit them at the worst time possible because you know they're finally getting the ball rolling and moving, and it's just come to a complete halt. Mm. But um, so you mentioned that you've got the uh, digital marketing you know, down pat. Does that make it a little bit easier to try and advertise for players in like on your Facebooks and your social media platforms because you sort of know how to go about it and I'm not too sure exactly how polish are with Facebook and whatnot. No, well, so internet penetration is, is really, really high here. Um, so it's in terms of like, um, you know, so the celebrities are completely different, but you know, everyone still hangs off their phone off Facebook and Instagram. It's exactly the same here as it is back there. Um, but the, the challenging thing we've got is that, um, so our role is kind of twofold. Um, as I mentioned before we started recording, I'm an Australian in Poland and I'm exotic. Um, oh my God, an Australian in Poland. Wow. Um, so when I talk to them about our game, um, that's even more bizarre and even more exotic. Um, so our role is twofold. First of all, we have to teach them about the game, teach them the rules, teach them what you can and can't do teach them why it's different to American football, teach them why it's different to rugby. And then once they're aware of all that, we've got to convince them to play and put, the, put their bodies on the line. And we all know that our game is, is pretty, I mean, it's, it's quite injury prone, but once you get good at it, you know, the worst injury is probably a hammy or a corky or something like that. But a lot of the material out there that's used to advertise our game is just like the big bumps. And so I'm, I'm probably going to cause a lot of, I'm probably going to get a, if any polls watch this or listen to this, I'm probably going to disappoint them a bit, but you know, polls consider soccer being a contact sport. Well, ballroom dancing is a contact sport. AFL is a collision sport. So they're not used to polls who love soccer, which is the most popular sport here, aren't used to having, um, you know, Jono, who weighs 105 kilos, come roaring at you front and center uh, and knock you flat on your face. That to them is just unheard of. And they're, they're apprehensive about being part of this sport. So I kind of have to, sorry, we have to kind of explain that, you know, big hits like that 
um, aren't exactly common. Um, but it's, you know, the hardest thing is running. Um, playing our game is like running a marathon, but having someone chase you, trying to beat you up the whole time. Um, and then that, when, they, when these guys actually start to see the challenge of the game, like the, the sheer fitness that's involved, the overall athletic ability, you need to run, you need to jump, you need to kick, you need to punch, you need to have strong body. That's when they start to see that, okay, this game is actually a lot more than just, you know, running into people. Um, but yeah, so our, the, the job is, is twofold, to teach people about the game and then get them to play. And being good with internet marketing, it certainly helped us reach all over Poland. Um, so we've got interest in lots of the, lots of the major cities in Poland. But again, it's, it's just, it's a fleeting interest. It's people who may have gone to Australia on a holiday or, or Poles who have perhaps, you know, seen something about AFL in the past and they like the page or they're, they're Poles that like, they like lacrosse, they'll like uh, American football, they'll like rugby and they're just interested in all these other weird sports too. So Finding that line between people who are interested in the game and people who want to play, that's, that's the real challenge about marketing this game. Um, yeah. I've never actually really thought about it until you mentioned it, that you're right. The majority of the advertisement that you see promoting our game is them big hits, the yeah, shirt fronts. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking about it like, yes, it will attract the people that like, like, oh, watch this, they you know, hit without pads. But it probably actually does a... Uh, more harm than good because as you say people in europe that soccer is the main sport and it's considered the contact sport are looking at that going oh fuck that i don't want to get hit like that but yeah yeah. that's probably in reality five percent of the game at tops is them big hits absolutely and it's i mean it's the same for it's the same for like soccer you know we always see ronaldo with the massive curves and the, the incredible corners you watch an actual soccer game and Again, I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but it's like watching tank drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, You must be sorry. You must be happy, Rifty. Yeah, got someone that agrees with you for once, and not on your side. Pretty much every single, every club we speak to, it's uh, obviously being a lot of European loves soccer. I'm a massive uh, fan of the game myself, and Rifty sits there bored shitless. But I, I won't. I will admit to you, Rifty. I can understand how people feel that way about the game. I'm not going to be one. I'm not one of them people that sit there and go, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about." It's the technical side of it. I can sit. I, I love sport. Love sport. Love my Melbourne victory. There's been Melbourne victory games this year. I've sat there and been so like, it's you know. I do understand how people feel that way. So I just thought I'd yeah. point that out. The Rifty's sitting there going, "Yeah, finally, someone on my side." No, me, me personally, I, it's the world game. You can't argue with that. It's it's the biggest game in the world, and that's that's not going to change anytime soon. Um. But the, the problem that it creates for us, again, is that definition of physical contact. Yeah. Um, you know, running next to someone and like pushing them in the chest, that's considered physical contact. But, you know, you look at a marking contest, that's equivalent to a marking contest here. And a marking contest, while it does need a lot, a lot of upper and lower body strength, it's by far, it's, it's no, by no means the most physical our game gets. And I, I see that in training now is that um, we teach our boys. Um, so straight away, one of our first practice matches, we had a rule that kicking off the ground is a free kick. 
because these guys, they would just run towards the ball and then kick it off the ground. And it's like, pick the bloody thing up. You can't control the ball if you're kicking it off the ground. So even though in, in the, the nine-a-side version here in Europe, you can kick it off the ground, we've made our own rule, no kicking off the ground. And so that forced our guys to bend over and pick the ball up. But they're too scared to put their, their, their head down over the ball. We played an um, exhibition match in Tallinn in Estonia. And there was a situation where the ball was like, uh, it, was just, it was in the goal square of our opponent's goal. And there was one of our opponents, two of our guys, and our two Polish guys were just kind of toe-poking it, trying to get it away from the goal line because they were too scared to put their head down and pick it up. And one Russian guy just ran in, picked it up, and snapped it around his, around his body and kicked the goal. That wouldn't have happened if the guys put their head down over the ball. So teaching, that's one of the struggles, is, is teaching the guys to use the rules for their own protection. If you go in head first, and you lead with your head down, if you get hit on the head, you're going to draw the free. You probably, you're not going to hurt yourself. It's highly unlikely that you're going to hurt yourself by going in head first. But if you go in head first, the umpire is going to protect you. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like going to a masseuse for the first time and, you know, learning that the masseuse isn't going to hurt you. It, it's going to, it's going to feel good even though getting tackled high doesn't feel good, but it's just getting over that, that threshold of like putting your body on the line. Yeah. It's, there's a lot about, um, you know, us all being Aussies played it as kids and whatnot and, and growing up playing the game. Um, there's things we don't sort of realize that we innately do when we're going to pick the ball up off the ground to protect ourselves. And, Speaking to a lot of clubs that have started up women's teams, they're even finding with women that haven't grown up playing the game. There's yep. head clashes every every couple of minutes. There's girls coming off with busted heads because they don't know how to to get their body behind it and protect themselves as they pick up that yeah. ball. And and you know we, especially me, I'm a smaller bloke, so I'm used to getting down there to pick the ball up off the ground, and I, I very rarely get hit in the head because I'm getting my body to the side of it uh, you know position yeah, myself yeah. where i'm gonna and i guess when you haven't grown up playing that way when you've grown up just kicking a stupid round ball along the ground um <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's nowhere near in the the nature to to protect their body and get down there and pick it up yeah but rifty you say that you know us being australian play the game our whole life we know how to turn our body I know blokes that have played footy for 30 years and they still shit themselves. They can't put their head over the footy. So Yeah, well, that's just soft blokes. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have that yeah. everywhere. But I think yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's guys that are naturally going to, um, you know, pick things up quicker and, you know, guys that have possibly had more rugby backgrounds. They're used to having their, you know, getting their body behind and, and yeah. you know, they need to be front on to the person coming at them and things like that. So that those sorts of things transfer well, where, you know, even a, a lacrosse player that's scooping a ball up off the ground and they need to be aware of their surroundings as they're doing that sort of thing. They, you know, there's sort of skills that, that can also transfer a little bit where mm-hmm. soccer, yeah, the fitness and the actual, you know, physical demands of running all those K's that they do transfer well, but, Picking the ball up is the last thing you know. You can't do it in soccer, so it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did it take you guys to implement that rule of training? So the kicking off the ground was like 
you know, our first six-a-side practice match after that. Um, but we've, we've started, um, we've started, so it's, we've been training as a, as a, you know, more as about at least a dozen people. We've been tra doing training sessions with at least a dozen people for about 12 months now. And only as of, I'd say late last year, did we start doing drills that actually involved like rolling the ball along the ground and getting the player to put their head down over the ball. Uh, we did this really cool exercise that was, um, like a slalom with the ball. So, you know, five or six cones spaced four or five meters apart. And it's, it's a, it's a race, two teams, and you've got to tap your ball along the ground in and out around and then around the end and come back. And then the so next like, bloke has to Oz go. Kick, Oz kick drills. Well, that's like, you laugh, but we've, I've found that like Oz kick drills and like the drills that I did from my under 13 days are the best things to do with. Yeah. Yeah. Guys. No, I'm not laughing at it. I'm just, yeah, it's, it's you've <laughs> got to go back to those very basics. Don't you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, sorry, go on. I was going to say every now and then at our trainings, the coaches bring you back to basics because you can, like blokes have been playing for 20 years, 30 years sometimes yeah. can't do the basics correctly. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a smart way. It's a smart way to do it though. You have got blokes that have never played it before because effectively that's how we start and learn the game is by doing them drills. Just because these guys might be 20, 30, it's still their first, their first part of like learning the game. So it actually makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. And these, gonna... a, lot of our, a lot of our guys have got rugby experience. Um, so their first thing with rugby is that they're used to getting tackled. So they're not afraid to get tackled. But the problem is, is that once they've got a bloke hanging on to them, they keep running. So teaching them, as soon as you get the ball, take a step and get rid of it, trying to get that into their head. But they also know how to kick, which is great. But their kicks go four meters in distance, but 80 meters in the air. So using, teaching them how to kick in order to pass is really, really tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, teaching someone how to kick a ball to a moving target, like don't kick to him while he's running, kick to where he's going to be, that's, that's a struggle. But the good thing is, is that because these guys are just learning, when they actually do succeed, Christ almighty, it feels good. Like we've, we've had a couple of trainings where we've had... Um, you know, the ball would go forward and would have the nominated tall forward and the nominated defender, like, run for it. And we've had our small forwards told them to stay down but stay five metres away and get the crumbs. So I remember there was one situation where our tall forward took a, took a juggle, didn't grab it, ball hit the ground, he picked it up and gave the quick hands to a young uh, a small guy who was running straight through. And then from 10 metres directly in front, he popped the goal. And this was all poles. And it, like, even these guys, they, without the Aussies telling them they did good, they knew it felt good. And seeing those really basic things pay off, that's kind of where our guys see that they're progressing and they see that they're getting better. And then that's, that's, that keeps them hungry and hungry for more. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, those uh, little moments of success would be great. And I know... That dog, he'd be just spewing. He dropped the mark and had to give the hands off to, to the small forward. <laughs> no, I, 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 I can handle dropping the mark, but I wouldn't, it's the giving the hands off. It's you know, yeah, it would have been a dummy hand pass. Actually, no, it's about <laughs> six years ago, it would have been five years ago, it would have been a dummy hand pass and spun around myself. But nowadays, I've uh, I've grown, grown to accept the fact that sometimes you do need to give a handball. <laughs> I don't agree with yeah. it, but I've come to accept the fact. <laughs> 
let's see if it's yep. still the same after having a year out. Like mate, trust saying. me, if, if we don't get a season this year, mate, there'll be no handballs and everything I touch next year I'll be having a shot for. I don't care if I'm in the car park. You've got to make up for lost ground, yeah. Exactly right, yeah. Oh, uh, I know um, Ed Dog's keen to ask you about your, your footy back in uh, Australia. I am, so, yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so whereabouts did you play, mate, when you were back in Australia? I'm from South Croydon. Um, and I went to school at Croydon South Primary School, which is no longer non-existent. And I played for South Croydon, South Croydon Bulldogs. So, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the field. Bedford, Bedford Park, Bedford Oval, just behind the trotting track on Eastfield Road is where my footy days were spent from the ages of 13 through to 14, well, yeah, 15, 16. And then on the corner of Eastfield and Bayswater Road at Cheong Park, which is South Croydon home. That's played a bit there. Um, that's kind of where I cut my teeth. I think when I played in under 12s and under 13s, we got into a couple of grand finals against Norwood. Um, and we were always like, for two or three seasons straight, we were second on the ladder without, without fail. It was just Norwood, this one team we could not knock off. I played played in two grand finals and we didn't we didn't win anything. Um, and then from 15s through to 16s or 17s, we were kind of yeah, like that was that was the kind of point where you know you have to come to training twice a week and train off your own steam and stuff like that. And I just didn't have it in me to do that and study. And footy just quickly kind of became work for me, and I ended up giving it up for. Uh, rock star career i guess you could say <laughs> which clearly that's paying off now working in digital marketing but um no I, yeah so south croydon bulldogs were, were who i played with um played against yeah Kilsyth, uh mount evelyn blackburn norwood yeah edfl um that kind of thing so played up in several a few times in the snow Instead of bringing out uh, oranges at three-quarter time, they brought us out hot water. Um, <laughs> but uh, I played, a couple of blokes I played with was Phil Manasseh, the Collingwood, Collingwood star, Manasseh's run at the MCG back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, I think it was. His son, Phil Manasseh, with the same name, played for us. And he was our key forward. He was, he was like a plugger locket of the under-15s. Um, he was awesome. Uh, played with Lukas Markovic, who went on to play for the Bulldogs, the Western Bulldogs. And I played with a couple of other guys who went on to play for the Eastern Rangers. And that's where I kind of lost track of, of what happened after that. But um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, footy growing up for me was, was, it was always part of what I like. It was, it was a social thing. It was just what you did. All the, all the guys at school played footy. And then, you know, between primary school and high school, you start going to school with some of the blokes who play on opposing teams. Um, bit of a buzz. And then, at, you know, lunchtime, you're playing footy on the oval with the guy who you're going to play footy against on Sunday. So, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a hell of a buzz. Um, learned a lot about kind of life in general and teamwork. And, you know, at that same time, I was also in scouts. So, um, you know, Teamwork and leadership, it, yeah, taught a lot to me. Um, and then coming here, having not played footy for, yeah, 16 to the age of, yeah, probably 
28, so 12 years. Bit rusty. Um, don't have the fitness, that's for sure. But the camaraderie, uh, teaching the camaraderie to the Polish guys and that sense of teamship, uh, that sense of teamwork and, and mateship, sorry. That's, that's been a real buzz here. Um, you know, try and translate, get around him into Polish. Doesn't work. Um, you know, you translate it and there's five or six guys that just go stand in a circle around the guy who just kicked the goal. Like, what do you want? <laughs> um, but, you know, teaching that, that mateship and, you know, he kicks a goal, go give him a hug, give him a pat on the bum and tell him to do it again. That's seeing that and seeing these guys actually do it is really, really cool. Um, yeah. And all that came from doing what I did at South Croydon. So do you keep a close eye or an eye at all on the uh, doggies while you're over there? No, I mean, I follow South Croydon on Facebook. That's about it. Um, I'm well aware of who their sponsors are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, like, I, I see some of the photos of their performance and stuff like that. And I don't really follow them per se. But um, it's always nice to see the red, white and blue horizontal stripes running around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not on top of it too much anymore, unfortunately. I've got a good mate of mine that was a crucial part of their premiership winning senior time. in 2017, I think it was. They bet. What are we now? Yeah, 2017. They bet Vermont, and I was saying a rifty the other day on an episode. We we're chatting about it, um, and I remember being. I went to that game, and it was a game where they played Vermont, and there would have been 95 percent of the crowd there were going for mm -hmm. South Croydon. And the other five were Vermont supporters because they did think South Carolina got knocked off by 72 points two weeks earlier and get out there yeah. in the grand final and knock off Vermont. And yeah, one of my good mates was a crucial part of that win. And yeah, as soon as you mentioned to me, you're from Croydon, I'm like, all right, well, I've got to find out if you're a South Croydon <laughs> or a Croydon fan because if you're a Croydon fan, I've got nothing to talk about. South Croydon <laughs> fan, I can at least bring a little bit of uh, local knowledge to the game. So shout yeah, out to me, right. mate, Frankie. And uh, yeah, South Croydon were also massive. Um, uh, part and supporters of our nothing's better than playing from home at home campaign that we had earlier this year. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, I thought I'd bring that up. So go ahead, Rifty. I've got out, got my question out of the way. So, <laughs> no, it's all good, mate. It's, uh, it's good to, to find these connections back to home and stuff. And um, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's been a common story with guys that sort of played junior footy and then, you know, gave up playing for whatever reasons and then they find themselves overseas and end up taking up footy again after being out of the game for, you know, 10, 15 years. And because they sort of, they either just find a little footy community that gives them that little piece of home or they build one themselves. And that's what you're, yeah. you're, you're kind of building your own at the moment, which is fantastic. And um, you got to probably work on some uh, little of those Aussie cliches see which ones translate well to Polish so you can uh, yeah. get a few yeah. of them across there. Um, we're, um, we're doing good as because it, it's brand new here. We can also leverage Australian culture. So, you know, Australia Day, we hired out the, the Australian community here. AFL Poland does a lot of work with the Australian Embassy here in Warsaw. Um, Australia Day, we rented out the British pub here and had an Australia Day celebration. So, Aussies or Poles with Aussie roots from all over Poland came to Warsaw and, you know, celebrated with Aussie expats. But we also had on the TV, like, do you want to represent Poland in Australian football? So 
you know, because we're exotic, it's easy to leverage that Australian culture. Um, Australia Day, Anzac Day, Grand Final Day as well. That's a pretty pretty big day to get uh, people involved. Nonetheless, that's, waking that's up. That's what I want to know about. That's oh, that's my favourite question. It's off the run <laughs> sheet. Can you stop asking it? I'll keep it quick. I'll keep it quick. No, nah, no. Nah, so, what but, do you guys do for talk it up? What do you guys do uh, for uh, Grand Final uh, Day? First Grand Final Day was 2018, so it was West Coast Collingwood, and we had a couple of blokes from all over Poland, Aussies and Poles. We found some dingy little pub in the middle of Warsaw, literally underground, under an intersection, 24-hour sports bar. Uh, you know, we rock up. Hey, hold there. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it 24-hour sports bar? 24-hour sports bar, yeah, but it's basically just a dive bar that's got oh, TV on the whole time. That's still a 24-hour sports bar. <laughs> So we rock up, rock up there with a laptop and the watch AFL pass connected to the TV. And it's like, you know, watching, it's like potato quality, watching Super Mario Brothers kind of stuff. Um, Half time, Collingwood are up. We got three blokes that go for Collingwood, three blokes that go for West Coast. We get shots of, what was it? Vodka, Kahlua, Sambuca, and some like black, white, blue and yellow. Line a dozen shots of that up, and we're all doing shots at 6.30 in the morning. It puts hairs on your chest, that's for sure. Um, yeah, grew, added a few inches to the beard, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kept going, and then our, you know, three-quarter time, our Collingwood guys are like, yeah, we're in the bag. We're going to the pub after this, and it's going to be a long day. And then what happened, happened. And, uh, yeah, it was some of the Polish guys that were there. Like, I, I'm an Essendon fan. Um, I'm, I respect Collingwood, but I don't like them for obvious reasons, but I was rooting for Collingwood. And like the Polish guys were like, Phil, what's happening? And I'm like, shut up. I just wanna, like, that's, that's another struggle is that I love the AFL. I love, I love watching the footy, but I, I, I got to watch the game that I love, but also teach these guys. And it's really hard to like, you know, but he walked more than 16 steps without bouncing it. And he got tackled, but he was thrown around and he didn't get rid of it. So how come it's not a free kick? And it's, it's really stressful when you're trying to watch a game, but also teach it at the same time. All right. Two things that off, off that rifty. I know I'm getting annoyed at you for asking that question because you know, I took it off the run sheet. Because, um, well, explain the reason first and I'll go on to my questions. All right. So Ed Dog here every year hosts grand final day. To him, it's like Christmas. He's, you know, he... It is Christmas. It ain't like Christmas. It is yeah, Christmas. Well, until he's had his kid, it's Christmas Day. So he, uh, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he has a, you know, takes great pride in putting on a good grand final day. And since we've been talking all these clubs overseas, one of the things that's come up a lot is how big they do grand final days. And so he's, his grand final day isn't looking so good when you got places, you know, renting out ex movie theaters and stuff to play it on big screens and uh, I'll tell you what though, that's actually probably one of my favorite stories of Grand Final Day. The effort that they went into to actually watch the game. You know, a laptop plugged in on to watch it on just a grainy <laughs> screen. That's that's just awesome. But talking about that how tense that game was, as Richard said, I have it here every year. I actually went inside for the last quarter and got something and covered up the time on the T V. Yeah. Because I just couldn't <laughs> deal with knowing how long was left, and it was actually probably... Collingwood or West Coast. Uh, I, 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 I'm Essendon, but I was going for West Coast because I just yep. can't stand Collingwood. I was sorry, I take that back. I was going for West Coast in the last quarter. That game, I was sort of like a. How does that work? 
Well, my theory is I like a good grand final. I, I wasn't really too, you know, cared. It was sort of, if Collingwood was get a five-goal lead, I'd want them to be sort of, okay, let's go West Coast. West Coast get a five-goal lead, it would sort of just be... Does that mean last year that you were going for GWS for three and a half quarters? Or I was going for GWS for the whole game besides about two minutes, I reckon. I'm still cheering for GWS to make a comeback. <laughs> Last year, last year we ended up hiring at, hiring at a little American cafe uh, here in Warsaw. And we had about, I'd say, 30, 40 people. And they put on the, the what was it, the Bogan breakfast and the, the Skip breakfast. So the Bogan breakfast was just cheese and Vegemite on toast. And the, cheese the, and Vegemite. Hold on, wait. What do you mean, cheese and Vegemite? Oh, well, like, Veg- yeah, you have Vegemite cheese and Vegemite. On toast, the cheese but, on top. Yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't know that. That's not your bogan breakfast, Jesus. Oh, okay. So the way you said it was like that's a thing, and I was like, "Well, Mark, this this, this show can't go on if you don't know about that." <laughs> no, no, that's what what no, I'm saying. What, that's upper class bogans <laughs> don't get the cheese on top. Well, the the upper class one was avocado and a boiled egg on top. So there, that's the there you know, go. That's 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 real South Yarra. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that, that's real. that's. That's how we can kind of leverage this Australian culture as well, is like get the food involved. We had this little cafe cooked, you know, uh, Vegemite on toast. Um, but yeah, smashing beers at five o'clock in the morning or 6.30 in the morning, watching the footy. Um, we've, we've, with the footy team, in order, so we, you, pay your, you pay your annual membership for the Polish Devils and you can, try, you can come to every training. But one of the prerequisites of paying is that you pick an Australian team to follow. And that keeps our players, you know, invested in the game. And one bloke chose GWS because they're the newest team. Um, and he's like, yeah, these guys are the underdogs. They're young like us. They need as much help as they can get. And this was like at the start of last year that he nominated the Giants. So all year he's following them and he's like, yeah, the Giants are going pretty well, aren't they? And us Aussie guys are like, yeah, because they got draft picks, you know, they're the <laughs> AFL sister club, you know, whatever. And then they make it to the grand final and, and our mate Shemek, uh, he's like, yep, GWS, I told you boys, I picked the right team. And then the grand final comes around and he comes to this little cafe with his GWS flag that he paid like $80 shipping from Sydney to Warsaw for. <laughs> and he's so pumped. And we got one bloke who goes for Richmond and he's half into Richmond. And he's just, he's just, they're both sitting there watching the game. And Shemek, who, who loves GWS, is just like, I want to go home. I'm going to go on home, I'm going to go back to bed. Um, so it was, re- yeah, yeah, that was a real buzz of a day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, just one quick thing. So you, had, you said you had 30 people um, go to last year's one, even though it was played yeah. one of the most disappointing grand finals in so many years. <laughs> How hard is it to get, like, do you ever come across people? like expats that are traveling through there that don't even know that there's a grand final day like event on that you guys are having? Yeah. So AFL, I think it's AFL actually. AFL have got a website where you nominate your grand final party. And I think it was between, between Berlin. So Stockholm, Berlin, Vienna and Athens. So from that semicircle to Moscow, we were the only AFL party in that whole part of Central to West Eastern Europe. So this one, we had, you know, travelers who were coming through, guys, Aussies backpacking. We even had a few Brits. Um, AFL, as you probably know, is massive with the college communities in, the, in London. So we had guys who were traveling through 
Brits who were traveling through, they came and checked it out. I think we even had a couple of Slovaks, a couple of Slovakians came up from, um, from their part of Slovakia because they wanted to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So it was, we, we do have people just, you know, flying in. We even have that with training. Um, you know, we, we, we're pretty open with training. Anyone can come to training. And, you know, sometimes we might have some random guy rock up completely unannounced. Oh, yeah, that's Jono. He's from Dandenong and he plays for the under, under he played for the seniors for South Dandenong. So, yeah, that, that's pretty cool to have that. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. And um, hopefully it just grows over the years and it gets bigger and bigger and gets to, you know, a couple hundred people every year. But how do the polls, did they uh, embrace the veggie mod or how did they go with that? I mean, like we had to tell we had to tell the chef who was making the Vegemite on toast to, you know, be gentle. Don't if it looks like axle grease, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, gently, gently. So the first few the first few guys who tried the Vegemite were like, "This is horrid," because it was like five. It was a centimeter thick of worth yeah, of Vegemite. It's, it's not Nutella. It's no, it's not Nutella. It's not <laughs> peanut butter. No. Uh, you got to be able to see bread through it. Yes. So then after we showed the chef how to do it, that had a bit more appeal. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Mixing it, footy in Australian culture is a, a, a life-changing experience for a lot of Poles. <laughs> yeah, well, Vegemite's a very acquired taste. And oh, yeah. I, always, I always cringe when they see people trying to get it to, like, take a spoon of it and shit. You're like, <sighs> no, it's not fucking Nutella. Like, no. A lot, like you got to have more butter on there than you do Vegemite for a, yeah, good, veg- yeah. a good piece of Vegemite toast. So, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, enough about that. I'm passionate about that. I just, I, <laughs> that's, <laughs> why, that's, that's why I'm sitting here just being quiet. Yeah, no, I, 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 mate, I see it all the time when these Aussies that interview American celebrities or whatever, and they like get them to try a spoon of Vegemite. Yeah, you know, nobody's gonna take a spoon of fucking Vegemite. <laughs> You can't, okay. you can't okay. have, you can't have Vegemite by itself. No. Um, it's like, it's like drinking Jim Beam or Jack Daniels straight. It's a bad idea. You got to mix it, dilute it with something. And then you could really savor and enjoy the taste. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's like, it's like putting the salt on your meal. That's the Vegemite. Like yeah. Not- yeah. And your meal is bread and butter. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's that little bit of seasoning. <laughs> oh, I digress, but let's let's get back on track. Let's uh, let's find out more about the the Polish Devils and um. So the the national team is the Polish Devils. Yeah, Polish Devils. We we went with the Devils because the Polish flag is red and white. Um, calling a team the Swans probably not the most masculine idea. Um, didn't want to go for the Bloods because that doesn't really translate well we had a few options poland's very catholic so we had the option of the saints um which would have been pretty cool uh and we also had the devils because you can't have god without having satan right so we we spoke to a few polish guys and they're like you know we understand the team is called the saints but that's also pretty blasphemous and Religion is very a very, very delicate subject here, so we didn't want to go stirring the pot too much. So we had decided to go with the Satan option, um, but under the guise of Tasmanian devils, 
which is an animal too. So yeah, yeah. So we called ourselves the Polish Devils. Um, the pitchfork is very representative of a city in the north of Poland, uh, Gdansk. So that gives us that kind of attachment. Um, our shirts, I don't know if you've, or our, our kit, I don't know if you've seen it, but we, we designed them ourselves and um, I reckon they look pretty fantastic. But I think it was the French team when we played at the Euro Cup said we look like KFC buckets, which I'm happy to wear that. That's a good insult. Um, yeah, so yeah, the Polish Devils is the national team. And we're at a point now where we're trying, we've got enough players in Warsaw to create two Warsaw teams. So what we did at the end of last year, November, December, we had what we, what we called the Sirenka Cup. And Sirenka translates to siren, which means mermaid. And the mermaid is the symbol of Warsaw. So what we basically did was get our two, well, our core group of Warsaw players break them up into two teams and they play a match. Um, and our aim is to hopefully by the end of this year, have enough players for, to do that again. But by this time, actually have two specific Warsaw teams. These Warsaw teams train together, but we can go to another Polish city and play a friendly when we play at like a, an international friendly, rather than taking the Polish national team, we can take the two Warsaw teams. And that gives us more teams to play and more players, more experience. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We spoke to the Philippines uh, the other week. And, um, yeah, they had done the same thing. They actually started their own league. So, they've got two teams. The mm. I forgot, I've gone blank on their names. But they actually literally just play a full season. So, I think a 10-round, 11-round season, just them two teams against each other. That's yeah. just that's yeah. it, their season. It's absolutely... You know, it's Beggars incredible. can't be choosers. <laughs> it's incredible the links that people go to, and I you know, just can't believe the, you know, what they do. Like, we were speaking to Osaka, and they play four games a year, but train for 12 months. And it's, you know, yeah. I've said it a few times that we definitely do take it for granted down here. But um, I'll tell you what, Rifty, our body warms that jumper look. <laughs> yeah, it looks very nice. As uh, soon as he jumped on, I'm like, God, he looks warm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's uh, I won't lie. Yeah. It's uh, it's cozy. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah. Well, winter's here. Winter's here. Get down to well, last winter. Winter just gone. Wasn't that fresh? It got down to like minus ten maximum. At three or four years before, it was like you know minus wasn't. seventeen, minus twenty. Um, there it goes. It's not. Well, it wasn't that cold. Minus ten. I'm sitting here with. It's currently <laughs> recording this. It is. Uh, give me two seconds. In Melbourne, it is oh, it's 16 degrees, but feels point feels like 7.1, and I've got a little heater next to me keeping me warm. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing is, is that in the middle of winter, it's the best time to buy meat in bulk because you just store it on your balcony because it's colder outside 24-7 <laughs> than it is in your actual freezer in the fridge. So. But um, you did put your hood on before to show it off and look warm. I'm going to guess your head would be a bit colder than what it used to be, mate, with uh, what you... Um, done at a, at a very, very good cause. My luscious locks. Yeah, yeah. So when all these bushfires started happening in, um, in well, in Australia in general, um, obviously it made the news the world over. And I won't lie, in living here for, uh, for four years, uh, that was the first time where I actually felt helpless and homesick. Like I couldn't do anything. Um, 
So my family, all my friends and family were safe, uh, but I, I wanted to help out. I wanted to do something. So I ended up starting a GoFundMe campaign and passing it around work, just trying to get people to donate their Polish currency to Australia to help out. Um, got the footy club involved. The footy club did a bit of a fundraising for it, which was great for the footy club too. But um, at the time I had hair that was like, you know, halfway down my back almost. I wanted, my aim was to raise five grand Australian. And I think we got to about three and a half, 3,800 Australian dollars. And I'm like, you know, there's a week left. I want to get this over the line. So I ended up having a shower, washing my hair, taking a selfie with my hair down, which is something I rarely, rarely ever did. And just putting it on Facebook saying, if we can get this campaign to over five grand, I'll cut my hair off. Um, and I think it was in the space of three or four days. I raised an extra like two, two and a half grand. And that was just through friends and family going, I want to see him with short hair because I haven't seen him with short hair for four or five years. So yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Um, so cut the hair off, um, donated the hair to kids with cancer in, a, uh, in the UK. So my hair's gone, went to the UK and it was turned into a little wig for girls that have got cancer or leukemia or something like that. In the process, got about five and a half, six grand for Wildlife Victoria um, and got some attention to the Polish Devils. Uh, all's well that ends well, I guess. Um, yeah. Jeez, here I was just sitting there, fuck, getting ready to ask that question going, it's a fantastic effort what you've done to raise money for um, back home. And then you bloody just forgot to mention at the start when we were talking about it that you actually donated your hair to... That cause as well. It's a, that's a bloody incredible moment. Well done. I, a, I live to fantastic. give. <laughs> you really do, mate. Um, before we get into one of our favourite segments, just want to sort of know, like, how much help do you get from the AFL and AFL Europe? So it's it's kind of hard to hard to explain. There's the AFL in AFL House in Melbourne, and and I believe AFL Europe isn't actually an affiliate with them. And at AFL Europe and Ryan, uh, I don't know if you've spoken to him, Ryan from AFL Europe is an Aussie. He lives in London. He heads up AFL Europe and he's responsible for the governing of AFL all throughout Europe, believe it or not. So AFL Europe directly help us in the sense that when, when we're first registered as a club under the AFL Europe umbrella, uh, they gave us, I believe that they gave us two match balls. So two actual match balls um they gave us a bit of a kit like this is this is how other countries started afl in europe this is what they did um you know find a place to train work with universities uh find people who like rugby and american football not necessarily soccer um teach them the basic skills teach them to kick before you teach them to handball teach them that running is important. So there was that support on that, you know, the how-to as well. Um, they share content on their social media as well. There's been no direct financial investment because it's, it's my understanding that AFL, the AFL have got a certain amount of money every year that's dedicated to promotion and development of the game overseas. And China or Asia, obviously, is first and foremost now. Um, but with Mason Cox 
you know, having a ripple effect all throughout the US. Uh, AFL USA is also getting a fair bit of money from AFL House in Melbourne. So unfortunately, that leaves Europe at the, the kind of back end of it. The good thing is, is that um, there's like, you know, continental Europe, including the UK, is the same size as, well, smaller than Australia. So you can imagine we've got probably no less than, I think, 60, 70 registered clubs in that space. And I mean, there's massive level differences, skill level differences, but everyone is so, so willing to help. Um, so before I played here, uh, before I started AFL in Poland, I actually played at an exhibition match for the Swiss team, the Swiss national team in Prague. So I was an Australian living in Warsaw playing AFL for the Swiss team in Prague. Um, was that with the Dragons? Prague Dragons? Yeah, yeah Swiss Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're probably two years ahead of us. The Swiss League is two years ahead of us. So uh, they're helping us. You know, we did this, we did this. Croatia is probably five, ten years ahead of Poland. But Dinko from Zagreb is helping us incredibly. Uh, the Sw- uh, guys from Switzerland, they're really keen to help. Um, and there's AFL is just starting now in Hungary too. So there's a young 14 year old bloke in Hungary. Um, he's asking me questions. How did you take your first steps? So, you know, on the field, it's absolute raw, unbridled hatred, but behind the scenes, everyone helps each other. Um, and there's that governance from AFL Europe. AFL Europe are great in the sense that they'll put on the Euro cup. They'll put on the champions league. They'll put on as many sponsored events as they can, but they'll, they also help us with our own local, uh, not so much local, but our own friendlies. So there's the, the last year we played the Baltic cup and the Baltic cup was in Tallinn in Estonia. And that was Moscow, St. Petersburg, Nortiale, a city in Sweden, uh, Poland. And yeah, so those four clubs. And while that wasn't organized by AFL Europe, it was still supported by them. And it made, it made waves throughout the AFL Europe community as this is what the Baltic states are doing with AFL. Um, so now as a result, AFL in Estonia has got a little more interest. What do you know about Estonia? Probably not a lot, but there's an AFL team growing there. Yeah, there's yeah, two things I that know nothing um, about Estonia. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that you mentioned, one thing that I you know mentioned, very little there, about Poland. <laughs> one thing that you mentioned there was about um, AFL Europe and how uh, they are so supportive. It's a common thing that we're hearing. Like every European club that we've spoken to has said exactly the same thing about AFL Europe to the point where I can't remember what club we were speaking to, and they've gone off. Oh, have you reached out to this club? And I've gone, oh, no, nah, not yet. And they've gone, oh, have you reached out to Ryan from AFL Europe? And I'm like, oh, no, nah, not yet, actually. And the, the guy's gone, you reach out to him. He'll probably give you an email address of every single club in, in Europe to reach out yeah. to and talk to. And yeah. just the mateship that it sounds like AFL Europe have got over there. It's, um, it's actually something I'm quite jealous of, uh, as weird as that sounds, because across here, it's you know, we've got – six clubs within a 5k radius of us and they're nothing like we don't really talk to them we might we may play them and that's it but you've got clubs all around europe that have just got a great 
mateship and a great bond. And it's actually quite something that in Australia that we, we don't have. You might have one club, you know, that you might travel two hours away for a pre-season match every year. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, yeah, it's quite, it's, uh, it's different. And I, yeah, I'm a bit jealous. The other thing, <laughs> did you say a 14-year-old was trying to get a league going? Okay, yeah. I didn't mishear that. All right. So this, this this young bloke, this young bloke in Hungary, in he's half Australian, half Hungarian, and he's just relocated back to Hungary. Uh, he played AFL in in Melbourne, um, and he wants to get it going. He wants he's, to get it going just, in, in Hungary. He's just hungry to get the game going. He's just hungry. So. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Rift. Um, Mate, I'm a dad of three. Of course, I got to have the dad jokes. You'll learn. Actually, so by the time, by the, actually, by the time this goes out, that should be my joke. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it's great that um, these clubs do help each other out. I think the thing yeah, yeah. they obviously understand that if they don't help each other out, they're going to have less teams to play against. Teams are going to not, not get off the ground, and so you are. Um, as much as you know you're going to be rivals on the field, off the field, you've got to help each other out. Otherwise, clubs aren't going to survive yeah. and, and you're not going to be able to build the game up. And like, like Ed Dog said, over here, there's so many teams that if one falls off, got, uh, other teams are going, all right, I'm going to call and try and get some of their players. Like that's yeah. all they straight away think. They're not, they're not thinking, oh, well, if that club folds what's that ripple on effect that's yeah, going to happen yeah. they're like oh well there's 10 other clubs to play against who cares and i think i think that stems from the fact that many of the teams have been started by aussies so there's always that that mateship it's like there's a fierce competitiveness on the field but at the end of the day we're all just bloke we're all just people and we want we want to see the growth of the sport there was a situation in tallinn in estonia sorry the other team we played with was against helsinki from finland and they had, we played nine aside and they had nine blokes. And I think it was their second to last game. They were all knackered. They were all thrashed out. And one of them said, one of their guys said to us, look, can we just have one of your guys just to put on a shirt for us and, and you know, help us, help us be competitive for our last match? We ended up giving him two of our Polish blokes. Uh, sorry, one Polish bloke and one Aussie bloke uh, just to help out. Um, and so they, you know, they took off the Polish shirt and put on the Helsinki shirt. One of them kicked two goals for Helsinki. And because we're only young, we're keeping a, a tally of who's kicked the most amount of goals for Poland. I'm leading. Thank you very much. Um, but I also had to make the disclaimer that these guys that kicked the goals for Helsinki doesn't count. Because you didn't kick the goal for Poland, you kicked it for Helsinki. Yeah, you kicked two goals. But, and it, yeah, like I said, it comes down to that mateship is that like, you know, we don't speak your language. You're from a different city, a different country. Everything's different, but you're here because you want to play AFL. And if I can help you out and get more time, more skill into your, into your team, I'm going to do it, you know. Um, later this year, we want to organize a friendly with the Prague team and the, I believe it's the Austrian team. So, you know, Poland, Czech Republic and Austria, we'd love to have a Swedish team and maybe the Swiss. So, and if push comes to shove and a couple of guys don't have enough players, we'll chop and change and help each other out. It's like, I love Poland. I love my team. I love my boys. But I want to see the game be competitive. And it's only going to be competitive if we scratch each other's backs. Um, and that's, you know, that, that kind of, 
that kind of mateship and dedication to the game, not just the club, is something, it's a core value of what we're trying to put into our players as well. Like, yes, represent Poland, but understand that you can represent Poland by wearing something other than red and white. Um, and yeah, that, that's, a, that's a core value of us. That's the core, core thing that we want to push home is that more important than Poland is, is the game, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, and every opportunity um, they get to pull on the boots and have a kick, no matter what team it is for, mm-hmm. they're going to better develop their skills and become you know, better players because they don't have the luxury of playing 18 games every oh, season no. after doing no. uh, you know eight-week pre-seasons twice a week and three practice matches before that and then playing for, you know, we're playing 20-odd games a year, year in, year out, plus all the training we do. Um, so, yeah, every opportunity they get to pull on the boots, so they'd we, have to jump in it, wouldn't they? We did a statistic where uh, we, we did the maths. Like, we went, our first friendly tournament was this match in Thailand in November last year, and we played four games. Um, and prior to that, we had played five games in our Europe in the Euro Cup. So when we were going to this exhibition, this tournament, we was we said to our boys that like, all right, in the in today, you're probably going to double the amount of time that you've the amount of competitive football that you've played. So you know, don't put pressure on yourself. You've trained a lot, but also remember that you're going to probably play as much football today as that you've ever played in your life. Um, and then one of, one of our boys, uh, Roger, the Aussie, his brother works for, or he's a trainer for McLeod, McLeod Kangaroos. He came over, the brother came over and took us for training once and he tore us a new one, which was fantastic. Um, <laughs> but he also blew the entire team's mind when he said that, you know, Paddy Dangerfield or or Dustin Martin, you know, your star midfielder, he's probably, during a full-length AFL game, he's not going to have the ball in his hand any more than a minute. So it's about the little things that he does with the ball when he's got it for those split seconds. And that kind of blew the minds of our players. And that's when they started realising that, okay, positioning is important. Gut running to cause a competition is important. Um, so yeah, if we can, if I can get a Polish guy to put on a, you know, heaven forbid, a Russian or a German top and get more game time into them, it's game time, and that's gonna that's gonna be better for them and ultimately the team than you know sitting around waiting for Poland to play again. So yeah, well, hopefully you're able to pick up some more players and and able to get this going once uh, COVID's all this shit's over and hopefully you're uh, able to promote it a bit more and once everyone's out of lockdown they're keen to get out there and learn something new absolutely Um, but it's time for our favorite part it's time to throw some guys under the bus so who are we putting under the bus all right so what's the first one at all right so which player uh at say your club or you know involved with the polish (laughs) devils uh is the ladies man (laughs) shemek (laughs) <laughs> the Giants boy, Shemisov Kroll. He's, uh, he has a fantastic pink leather jacket with a scorpion on it. And it is, it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Yeah, he's certainly Shemek. 
I so many questions, but I'm just, I don't know where to start. He looks, so. like, he looks like Freddie Mercury. His nickname on the team is Freddie. <laughs> He's got the stash down pat, so, yeah. Oh, Love it. Uh, the class clown. Class clown would have to be Matt Stepanski, who is our resident Kiwi. Um, big boy, he played for the AFL Auckland. Um, so he's a dad of two and he takes, cause he speaks obviously English and, uh, uh, Polish. He takes down new players at training and gives them the basics. And he kind of uses his dad jokes and the, the clowningness to break down the, the cold Polish facade that's usually apparent when people come first come to training and he does it pretty damn well too. Oh, nice. Uh, well, who's the biggest party animal? Party animal would have to be our uh, the head of the social uh, calendar would be Rob Turner from Adelaide. Uh, he's one of the core guys who's helped me help us start it off. Uh, yeah, Robbie Turner is responsible for the social commitments of the Polish Devils in and around Warsaw and wherever the Polish Devils may be. Nice, he's he's good at his job too. Yeah. <laughs> what about the the bloke that just takes the game far too seriously? Either myself uh, or Jeff. Jeff, is, Jeff who's our American, uh, love him to death, but we played a friendly in Berlin just at the start of March before all this stuff. And Jeff was coach because our coach couldn't make it. Um, you know, nine aside, who was just like, kick it long. The entire field is 50 metres long. He's like channeling his inner Mick Malthouse to, you know, tap the ball to the left because Phil's a right footer. So when he gets the ball, you want to mark it on the left. And it's like, you know, he, get back, get back. Everyone get back except Phil and crawl, and crawl the defender because he, it's, he, he, he's screaming profanity, but it's just proof of his passion for the game. So, and it's really weird to hear an American yelling at you while you're playing AFL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually never thought about it like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's got the best nickname? Oh, I got to go through them. Um, she- Shemek, Shemeslav is the Polish name, but it starts with Shemek. So it's it, trying to say Shemek with a mouth guard is just a guaranteed way for a bad time. Um, so we call him Kroll, and Kroll is the Polish word for king. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, Jeff, we also call Jeff Lunchbox. We, uh, we call him Lunchbox because his wife put him on these, you know, lunch boxes, these order in lunch boxes because he was, had a bit, a, spare, a bit of a spare tire. And all he did was complain. So now we call him Lunchbox. Um, oh, I don't know. We've got to work on the nicknames because that's part of the Aussie humor too is that, you know, giving nicknames. You know, we, we're still to have a redhead to come so that we can call him Bluey. Um, yeah, so we we got to work on it. we got to work on it. So this question's only become new, and that was because I was listening back um, to one of the episodes and someone just kept dropping nicknames. And I was like, that's a question we need to know is like the best nicknames. And then since we've actually started asking them, we're learning that it's something that every club's like, oh, we actually really need to work on that because it's an Australian thing we don't have them. But uh, you mentioned two nicknames. The first one, like I wouldn't be able to say that last name without a mouth guard in, let alone with a mouth guard. But um, <laughs> that's his like, first name, Shemek. Oh, Shemeswab. Oh, sorry, his first. Shemeswab. Yeah, it's, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> just blow my mind. Um, but like, even just like lunchbox, it was something simple. But I love knowing, like, hearing stories behind even just simple yeah. nicknames because it's. Yeah, yeah. We were speaking to a club earlier today, and they had a nickname Pubes, their player. We used to have a nick. We used to have a player nickname Pubes. So we've got this backstory behind them, and me and Rifty got off and going completely different to our story. And we can't, we can't, you know, delve into the, our story about that bloke. But yeah, you can. You just don't want to. Ah, <laughs> uh, not it's recording. Not, yeah, it's it doesn't suit the time slot. <laughs> we got. Uh, I'm. I'm just opened up our Facebook chat. Uh, I'm going through the chat now. Robbie, our social coordinator. His name is. His nickname is Ketanol. It's a, it's a basically a painkiller because he's done his hip and he always asks who wants Ketanol before a match. Um, who else we got? Uh, a, a bloke called Pierre. He looks like Daniel Craig, so we call him Daniel. Um, Shemek, Shemeswav, the GWS guy. We call him Big Big Sound. Um, yeah, yeah. So we got a, another bloke called Andrew. Andrew Last is his name. We, we call him First. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Matt the Kiwi. His nickname is Kiwi. So, yeah, yeah. It's, they just it's, start going um, through them. There's a few there. I like it. <laughs> so it's it's yeah it's it's part of bringing the Aussie banter and the camaraderie and the mateship and it's um, yeah yeah. Poles po- from what I've learned about Polish culture being here is um, skill is only taught through hard work and you only get criticised if you're getting criticized, there's no appreciation of hard work. So, you know, when we have passages of play that are really, that are just mint and they just perfect for us, Aussie guys to kind of get around them, get around the boys and say, that was fantastic. Really, really good. That like do that again. And then pull each guy apart individually and say, you know, Shemek, that was really cool. You, you did a really good job. I like your positioning more this time try this, our polls react to the praise really good because they've just, they've not had it in their sporting career. Um, through any sport, you only get feedback from the coach when you're getting torn a new one. So for us who have, you know, again, from that, that, that footy background as a kid where I was given my praise, but I was also disciplined. Um, yeah, yeah. So hearing the boys react to that positivity and then, you know, after training, when we go for a beer and having that chat and, uh, you know, hey, Ketanol, hey, hey, Kroll and, and hey, Lunchbox, dropping the nicknames, that makes, that creates that camaraderie. And that's part of the nickname and, and the praise helps open it up to that. Um, and that's, that's, that's really cool to see that stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine. All right. So now this is actually probably my favorite when I have all these. Which, oh, two, yeah. blokes, which two blokes have got the biggest bromance? Ooh, that is a damn good question. <laughs> uh, no one shares chapsticks, if that's what you're hinting at. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think Robbie and Rog, coach and social guy, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty close. Uh, but that extends beyond football too in the, our general social life. Um, the Polish blokes, uh, I don't know. There, there's... Romek and Mache, absolutely. Romek and Mache live together. Um, they're, they're, I think together, Romek and Mache, with their powers combined, they're as much of ladies' man as Shemek is by himself. Um, 
they, you know, they, they live together. They come to training together. There's a bit of a bromance there. Uh, I think at times they even share the same sports bag. So it's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. That's for sure. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> oh, it's good that you've been able to uh, start, you know, bringing some Aussie culture over to um, Poland. And, you yeah. know, I know Polish uh, sort of, you know, they're, they're usually the villains in mu- movies and Bond movies and things like that. They're not, you know, Russian. Not, that's the Russians. Yeah, yeah you've got the, <laughs> the Polish villains as well. But um, uh, it's good that you've, you've been able to bring some Aussiness over there and start, you know, teaching them our ways. And hopefully you're able to grow it even bigger and better. And um, yeah, yeah. like we said, we hope one day you guys uh, got enough guys together to put, put together international cup squad or something like that. That'd um, be a dream. You got lots of blokes who are just dying to see the MCG, let alone play on it. So yeah, yeah, that wouldn't, that'd be pretty cool. Now, well, uh, good luck with everything you're doing. Uh, Thanks Thanks again for for joining us. Um, We'll make sure everyone heads over to your socials and uh, we'll share all your social media and stuff. And um, maybe we might have to hit hit him up for some help with our socials since he's a (laughs) marketing uh, guru over there. Um, Well, I don't mean to brag, mate, but since I got control of the Facebook page, we have uh, likes have like doubled pretty much. So, uh, (laughs) well, I think it's my my presence on the videos that's helped. But anyway, (laughs) Um, yeah. Easy. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, best of luck with everything. And uh, yeah, we might catch up with you in the after you play a few games later in the year or next year and uh, see how years are going. Sounds like a plan. Thanks heaps for having me, boys. Really, right. really happy to help take AFL Poland to the world, especially back home. So, yeah. Uh, no worries, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, any of your boys are ever traveling through Melbourne when all this COVID thing stops, mate, just tell them to swing past in by reserve, mate. They can have a kick with us anytime. Beauty. I, I'm serious. I've got no doubt that you'll take them to school, but that's exactly what we need. <laughs> <laughs> Beauty. Thanks heaps, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Cobra cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact new life psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.